today on City Cash Chicago. It was an icy week in the city, not just for the sidewalks, but also at pressers and at the bargaining table between CPS and CTU. We've got the co-host of WTTW's Chicago Tonight, Paris Shuts, and producer Simone Alise in the building to break it all down. It's Friday, January 14th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is City Cash Chicago. The way we do these Friday shows, Paris, is is very laid back. It's very simple. We're just going to look at some of the stories from this week in Chicago. And then we love to lead the people with some good news. And I have to sing it like that. Some good news. Like that. Oh, my God. That was come on, that was great. When we get back to that second, like yeah, that. I'm going to need you to sing it with me when we get there. I'm going to need you to do All that right. with me. All right. I've had your co-host Brandis on, and when I had her on, she said that she was going to join our growing City Cash Chicago scooter gang. And so my opening question to you is, when the weather turns, we're not out here busting our ass on the ice, are you down to join the City Cash Chicago scooter gang? Man, I'm going to lead the scooter gang. I mean, as, as long as we can just, like, just bomb <laughs> through the streets of Chicago— 40, 50 miles an hour. Uh, explain, though, what is a scooter gang? It's just we're just going to get together on scooters. and You know, they they, they said they're going to bring the scooters back, the e-scooters yeah, back yeah, to yeah. the city. And so me, Brandis, Brandon Pope, Simone, Jamie from Block Club, we all just going to get together, rent some scooters, and we're just yes. going to, like, patrol the West Loop or however far they let us go before they turn them off, you know. Count me in. Count me in. Simone, I know you've been uh, dealing with the icy sidewalks. Are you looking forward to the spring when we can be out there sipping mojitos, hopefully on them scooters? Jacoby, is that even a question? Like, I, it's I, not, like, but who's you gonna know. be out here? Who's gonna be out here? Like, no, I love the ice. I love falling <laughs> on my ass. Of course, I'm looking forward to the spring. I have actually never ridden one of these electric scooters, so I'm really excited to. Uh, and it turns out that the city just opened applications for companies to you know to start putting these these scooters out on the ground uh so they're they're coming and Simone Jacoby you know you know there's no spring by the way right we're talking about <laughs> June July that this right, is we, gonna be happening we're talking about second at the end of second half winter and, and right, at the right. beginning of maybe summer right uh, let's <laughs> let's jump into the conversation Paris I'm gonna stay with you what is a story you were watching this week that just every day you were like man this thing has got me locked in well, Jacoby, I mean, it's no surprise it's the CPS-CTU standoff because this affects everybody. And the mm-hmm. fact that this happened, it, it, it's 300,000 kids, but it's their families, it's their parents. They have to figure out child care. They have to figure out what are they going to do with their job if they have to stay home. And we know that during remote learning a year ago uh, and, and a year and a half ago, a lot of kids were lost. I mean, this is a, a tragic untold story of of, of what remote learning did is that CPS lost track of tens of thousands of kids and, and we don't know what happened to them or whether they're learning or whether they're back in the school system. And anecdotally, I had talked to a few Cook County judges that when kids were like coming in for misdemeanors or into juvenile court, they, they were hearing over and over again when they asked, well, what school are you at? And they said, I'm not in school. And that's why getting out of class again was, was such a nightmare 
uh, for so many people, despite the fact that it's a nightmare in school, too. I mean, the Omicron, we, we can't diminish the concerns of teachers and students and families about the Omicron and whether my kid's going to be exposed. And there obviously were families that kept their kids away. But, you know, this this stoppage lasted five days. Um, there was a lot of posturing on both sides. I'm surprised that, that, that they came to a deal that did not include a lot of what the CTU had called for, like opt-out testing. They wanted mandatory testing where you had to opt out. They didn't really get that. But I think that the general tenor in the country among Democrats, uh, as well as Republicans, is kids need to be in school. And so CTU was going to lose that narrative. You just mentioned, you know, they didn't get everything they asked for. I think you saw that in the voting. What, 73% of the union voted to go towards remote learning. Only 55% voted to come back. And so this is not only going to just end with, you know, people coming back into school this week and next week, but this may cause some some inside tensions moving forward. You know, we talked to Nader from Chicago Sun-Times and he said when CTU leadership riles up their members, they're not always able to to then satisfy everybody on the back end. The flip side of that, though, is and this is what I suspect union leaders might say is, well, we had to do all this just to get what we got. You know what I mean? Like we had to do all this just to get a promise of ramped up testing. That's totally true. And I think that is a case that a CTU leadership is making. They, I mean, there was a there was a chart that was leaked to the press yesterday mm-hmm. just show, saying exactly that here is what we got. And I think it's to try and perhaps win over some of that 45 percent that might be irritated. Not everybody who is... Uh, caught up in this fight is always heard from. And that's particularly mm-hmm. students. And so you'll yep. see mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. that Shirads is the, organizing a walkout of students across CPS, believing that they have been caught in the middle of this political battle between, at times, the union and CPS and the mayor's office. But many students don't feel safe in the classroom and, and don't feel protected and don't feel like these these numbers accurately reflect what's going on. You'll see students organizing to kind of get their voice heard as well. And so um, I wonder after all of this kind of back and forth again between the, the so-called adults in the room, if the people who are going to be most harmed are are the students. Yeah. And I think you're seeing students across the country doing that in New York and other places in San Francisco. I can't tell you where the majority Mm -hmm. lies. I do know that you're right. The students feel like they've been left out. The parents feel like their voices have been left out. And and I think their ire has been at CTU and CPS. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the tribe. Shout out to WBEZ, who both did pieces this week talking with CPS students. One of the reasons I think it's so great to see students speaking up is something I think that hasn't really been articulated. The the distrust that exists for the city, for CPS, for the district, for these institutions. You know, let's say that everything Dr. Already, Mayor Lightfoot uh, have said about transmission in schools, about how it's lower, about how it's unlikely. Let's say all of that is is totally true and that school is the safest place to be. What hasn't been acknowledged by leadership and what I'm surprised to not see acknowledged is the fact that how are students who have been subject to dirty schools, schools that that have vermin or schools that have crumbling infrastructure, schools that have lead in the water, how are they supposed to trust now that that is the safest thing, that that is good for their health when they've been shown before that their health hasn't been prioritized in the past? that trust is something that's even bigger and more longstanding that is 
going to be hard to overcome in one mayoral term, mm-hmm. let alone, you know, one pandemic. Yeah. Well, what have you shown me lately? What have you done for me lately? And like you said, a lot of that distrust, a lot of students feel not only did CPSU, we say lost track of a lot of students, a lot of students feel like they were, you know, abandoned. Uh, Simone, what, what is a story you've been um, preoccupied this week? I got to say the CPSETU was was really the my big thing all this week. But I know you wanted to talk about the Bears and what yep. was going on with the Bears. Yes. Which, frankly, I didn't follow very closely, but I'd love to hear from you about what's going on. No, th- a top story this week for uh, Chicago sports fans, uh, particularly if you are Bears fans, is that McCaskey presser going out the door. You know, so we started this week with some pretty – I think unsurprising moves. General manager Ryan Pace was fired. Coach Matt Nagy was fired. And after a 6-11 and season, there were so many things to be disappointed about. Our, uh, you know, rookie quarterback got injured and didn't get to play. Our defense didn't look nearly as impressive as they have. And you could imagine that it couldn't get worse. And then this presser happened. How incredible is it that George McCaskey basically says, I'm not a football evaluator. I'm a fan. Oh, but by the way, the final decisions are going to rest with me on the general mm-hmm. manager. George McCaskey, as a Bears season ticket holder fan, he has no excuses. He has no excuses to get up there and say he's not a football. He's, a, he's just a fan, uh, and we have to bring in consultants. And Bears fans should absolutely hold his feet to the fire and that family's feet to the fire for the way they've run this organization uh, because it's just madness. It really is. Right. Uh, I'm not a football guy. My family has just owned the Bears since uh, we bought exactly. it for $100. Uh, right, a hundred years, years ago, ago. <laughs> and and he says he says ownership says that I'm going to stick around as chairman. Well, ownership is his mom and his brothers, right? So, yeah, it's 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 insane. And by the way, the consultant, how do you know Bill Polian um, is going to do what's in the best interest of the Bears and not try to find work for his buddies? Bill Polian. The former GM for the Indianapolis Colts, who over the last few years as an NFL analyst put all his money behind Johnny Manziel, who petered out, who said Lamar Jackson wasn't going to be a good quarterback. He just gives bad take after bad take. And, and yet that's who Bears fans are supposed to put their faith in to help kind of guide us into the next few years of most likely disappointment. It was this feels like it's setting up the players for failure. It's setting up the organization for failure. And, you know, it makes me feel like the Bears are, are doing everything in their power to just like slink out of town. And I ain't feeling that. And this fan base deserves more competent leadership. I mean, the Bears are a crown jewel of the city. The people, this this city, when when the Bears are good, the city absolutely lights up. There's nothing like it. Um, this was like America's team, um, you know, before Dallas was. And and it's just like if you're George McCaskey, you just you've just kind of let that all dissolve. I mean, a, a team that could potentially be have the greatest fan base in sports. Let's kick it to Simone. What were some stories that you believed uh, got kind of lost in the shuffle this week? What was one of them? All right. I've got the most Simone underhype story. Uh, I think that maybe I've ever had new judicial sub circuits. The redistricting of Simone judicial subcircuits. Simone is our resident 
circuit, anything to do with maps, anything to do with legislative <laughs> agendas, new ordinances. Simone is our, is our go-to. This has implications for elections. So let's start there. Like, elections are important. Your vote is important. You get to make decisions. Uh, Maya Dikmasova at Injustice Watch uh, wrote a really nice breakdown of uh, how the legislature created five new judicial sub-circuits in Cook County. There is the circuit court of Cook County. Everyone in the county votes for those judges. Then there are several sub-circuits that are mapped out within the county that have much, much smaller bases. But, you know, it's it's not everybody is voting for them. And the legislature's intent was, and I should say legislative Democrats, to make it easier for more diverse judicial candidates to run. Because if it's a smaller sub-circuit, you need less money, you know, fewer petition signatures, it's easier to kind of get onto the ballot. Some of the stuff that I think that's important, that is key here is A, are we going to get a more diverse bench? This, this this map will go into effect in 2024. A diverse bench, you know, who, who's sitting on the bench means a lot in terms of what decisions are getting made. And then the other thing to look for is over the next two years, as we approach those 2024 elections, by by creating new smaller sub-circuits, you have fewer judges who are going to be elected countywide, and that means fewer opportunities for the county Democratic Party to kind of move behind the scenes in terms of, of who's getting on the bench. This was rolled out January 3rd. It passed two days later as a part of an unrelated piece of legislation. I did not really see this story this week, but then as I dug into it, I'm like, well, one of the reasons I didn't see it is because these things be passing in the, the thick of night. They pass it after 9 p.m. So Yeah, well, and like the congressional districts like the ward maps, you know, they're generally drawn behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. The whole purpose of the sub-circuit system, I think, in the beginning was to increase the diversity on the bench and to make Mm -hmm. sure that um, judges came from the areas that that they were serving. And it hasn't really worked out that way uh, because, you know, the, the, the makeup of neighborhoods change and you've got a judge that doesn't actually represent the current makeup of the neighborhood. Unlike congressional districts, wards, which are redistricted every 10 years, these sub-circuits haven't been redistricted since they since they were introduced since 92. Years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, instead of seeing 10 years of change in neighborhoods, we're talking 30 years of change in neighborhoods, which is worth noting. And then, you know, the, I've always just been perplexed at the whole way judicial slating works uh, with the Democratic Party and the fact that it is so political and the fact that judges have to drop $40,000 or candidates, you know, into the party um, and then try to, you know, they grovel. I've been to these sessions where they grovel to people like Ed Burke that they're probably going to have to like judge a case uh, with someday. I mean, it's just that is a relic of the old machine system. And I I, I wish there were a better way to uh, uh, elect judges or appoint judges or something. But but the way this happens is just, oh, my God, it's just it's just the most Chicago thing ever. For sure. Uh, Paris, what's an underhyped story this week that you want to draw some more attention to? 
It's election season again. Today is the first day that petitions can go out for elected office in Illinois, and that includes the governor, senator, Congress, statewide offices. There are uh, at least three or four uh, Republican challengers now uh, vying to uh, take on J.B. Pritzker. But Mm -hmm. um, what I'm hearing is we're going to get another challenger possibly on Monday uh, or early next week, and that's going to be Aurora Mayor Richard Irvin. And there's been a a few reports about this. uh, But it's interesting. Irvin is a... He's the African-American mayor of Aurora. He, he's served in the military. But he, his, his most previous voting records have been for Democrats. His positions, you know, on coronavirus, on COVID mitigations have certainly been in line with what, what Democrats like Pritzker have been preaching. He was big on mitigations and all that. So Republicans here um, have settled on Irvin to possibly be the guy that Ken Griffin – the richest guy in Illinois, the guy worth $20 billion or whatever, uh, he's going to open up his wallet for, and they're thinking that Irvin can be a guy that, that gets middle-of-the-road voters uh, in the suburbs. And it remains to be seen whether Irvin um, is a guy that can get out of a primary when you got a guy like Darren Bailey, who, who certainly, because of COVID, uh, being against COVID, taking the governor mm-hmm. to court and all that, has, has activated a, a downstate base. Yeah, you mentioned Bailey. He's a downstate. Uh, he's in the Illinois Senate. He's a Republican in the Illinois Senate. Irvin. I wonder if if Griffin taps him. If Irvin will lean on even stronger positions against the governor that more align with maybe not what he's been saying as mayor of Aurora, but more clearly align with what the billionaire has been saying the entire time Pritzker uh, has been in office. I'm really interested to see how that governor's race because the constant sentiment that I'm giving getting is like. It doesn't seem like he's made as many um, like mistakes as his the his, the people who uh, came before him. Well, and and his approval ratings are are okay. You know that they're they're good. They're over fifty for the most part, and and they're good enough that would make a re-election or, or unseating him pretty difficult. And I would say that the Irvin campaign. I mean, if there is an Irvin campaign, it's going to lean into the crime. It's going because Ken Griffin. What has he said? He 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 blames. Pritzker for all for the homicide rate in Chicago, and and we'll see if that's effective, um, because you're right. You know, Pritzker is kind of he he he's taken a lot of progressive positions that don't uh, offend anybody, and that you know that easy layups, um, easy layups. You're you're totally right. That that's exactly been his strategy. Every week, Paris, our goal is to lead the people with some good news to get them through the weekend. Uh, do you got some good news or a moment of joy for the people? And yes, you do have to sing before you say it. You got to say, Kobe, this is my some good news. Uh, all right, uh, Kobe, this is my good news. Um, but it's, you know, you said moment of joy. Moment of joy. Um, the remix. <laughs> so it's not necessarily good news. But what I'll say is like the, the moment that I laughed the hardest this week, uh, going back to the Bears press conference, when George McCaskey was asked um, what his mom thought of the season, and he says, um, At one point in our conversations, I asked her for her assessment, and she said, as only a mother can, I'm very, very disappointed. <laughs> and I, 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 I lost my lunch because 
I mean, you know, if you're a son and your mother comes to you and says, I am very, very disappointed. I mean, there's nothing more gutting than that. That's, yeah, just, that's the worst thing I want to hear, whether I'm 12 or 65. Right. That hits you right uh, in the solar plexus. And like, you know, the next thing is like, and now you're grounded. But I, I just, I, 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 that was the hardest I laughed all week because it just summed yeah. up the Bears uh, in perfectly, you know? Yeah. Chicago, we constantly trying to find moments of joy out of just moments of absolute confusion and utter disappointment. That's what makes Chicago the best. I mean, our, our leaders let us down, our sports franchise owners let us down, but the people just, I mean, they come up with great stuff and, 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 and they make us laugh and they make us enjoy living here despite despite all the problems. That's why the funniest mm-hmm. people are here or come out of here, right? Like that's absolutely, <laughs> totally. Uh Simone, what was some good news or a moment of joy for you? My moment of joy this week, and I'm going to use this uh, to do a little bit of shameless plugging. Um, I am pleased to report that uh, City Cash Chicago has been nominated as the best podcast and best newsletter in Chicago, in the Chicago Reader's Best of 2021. Voting is open now. It's open through February 2nd. You know, there was a nomination process. You required, you know, people to co-vote for you to be nominated. So we know enough of you out there nominated us. And it's really <laughs> cool to be, um, you know, because because we're not, you know, we haven't been around that long. Been around since last March. Not quite a year yet. We hit 200 new episodes this week. We did hit we did. 200 episodes this we week. We did. We've done. <laughs> not counting the reruns. Yeah, which is which is kind of wild. Um, and I love the work that we do. Love working with you, Jacoby, and, and our colleagues, Carrie Shepard and, and Sydney Madden. I'm just really proud of, of what we've been able to do. For sure. Shout out to Lizzie. Shout out to Natalie. Shout out everybody over at HQ. I agree. For the people who mess with us who like us you know we really appreciate y'all yeah congratulations to you all you deserve it that's great man it's so beautiful um my moment of joy or my some good news is also uh, a little selfish a little self-serving but um i talked a lot on this show about i grew up roller skating in the city and this week a story of mine called rich city skater which is a story of my family's roller skating rink which we had for 10 years between 2006 and 2016 out in the south suburbs of chicago that story was published in a Chicago stories anthology called True Stories About Love. And again, it's a story of, you know, falling in love with roller skating, what it meant to me as a kid. What was it like having a this star of a mom? My mom was one of the, the greatest roller skaters in Chicago history, um, you know, running this business with my family next to my brothers and sisters. And uh, so it's just it's just one of my favorite stories. And I'm so happy to share it with people. It, it came out this week. I'll drop a link for you in the show notes. But um it truly is the joy of my life. It's a great story. I love those old roller rinks. I mean, when I was growing up, there was one that we went to out in Maywood. Mm-hmm. And the soundtrack is always the best. You know, the, like the, the, they've got just like DJ spinning like this great 60s soul and mm-hmm. Motown. And, and like you said, James Brown and, and maybe some Stones or something like that. It's awesome. I, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a great memory of my childhood as well. Yeah, if if you if you've grown up going to the rink, going to Glenwood, Markham Skating, Seventy Sixth Street, reach out to us and share your roller skating stories. You can hit us up on Twitter. Um, I'll drop our Google phone number in the show notes for you. I, I want to hear y'all roller skating stories because so many people it's a part of their childhood, just like field trips and and Saturday nights. Uh, it's one of the last places that your parents would just like hand you money and say bye. Just like here, take some money. I'm up out of here. Yep. 
Paris Schutz is the co-host of WTTW Chicago Tonight. Simone Alisea is the fantastic producer of our beautiful show, City Cash Chicago. Uh, thank y'all both uh, for joining your boy to shoot the shit this Friday. Thank you, Jacoby and Simone. It's been a pleasure. Can't wait to do it again. Yeah, always. Before I let you go, I got to show love to the team behind City Cash Chicago. Lead producer, Carrie Shepard. Producer, Simone Alisea. Joining us from Denver, producer Lizzie Goldsmith, newsletter writer Sydney Madden, and we want to thank the people who helped provide the music. That's Sam Trump and Mark Greenberg with the Mayfair Workshop. Remember to vote for us in the Chicago Reader's Best of 2021 list. We're under the City Life category. I'll drop the link for you in the show notes. Also, tell your friends about the podcast and the newsletter. Brighten up their morning the same way you've been blessed. Thanks for listening. Peace. I'm not going to sing, but come on. We were singing right before we got on.